everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ho in the Know, a podcast about sex work by sex workers for sex workers. I am sit your ass down, Selena. My co-host, Clickety Clack Down the Hall Clover, has actually Clickety Clacked Down the Hall away from here because they're dealing with a really bad hives outbreak and it's crazy. Like, So this has been going on for like four, five days now, like various degrees of hives. And we don't know why or when exactly, what what was the cause of it? Was it something that they ingested or if they looked at a plant the wrong way? Uh, we have no idea and the doctors are not providing any answers. So Clover had to go back home and rest. And um, so here we are. It is me, Selena, and I am joined by the ex-cats or ex-cheetos dancers, Teddy and Malice. Welcome back. Good to be back. Yeah, it's great to be here. And we also have Dahmer, who's making a guest appearance. Dahmer is a 13-year-old minpin. Yes, super cute, very smart, very spatially aware puppy. Mm-hmm. We begin every episode with a segment we call Historical Hose. This week's Historical Ho is John Saul. I got my info from Wiki... List verse, uh, the invention of homosexuality by Skylar A. Huntsman and some other spots. So get ready. John Saul, a.k.a. Jack Saul, a.k.a. Dublin Jack, was born October 29th, 1857. He was a gay Irish full service sex worker of the Victorian era. He was born in a tenement slum, the second child and eldest son of eventually eight kids. And his parents didn't marry until he was six months old possibly because his mother might have been underage. As a poor Catholic youth, his opportunities were limited. At 18, he was charged with committing a, quote, indecent offense, a.k.a. being a gay male sex worker. Uh, Giving testimony in the later, quote, Cleveland Street scandal, Saul called himself a professional Marianne, Mm -hmm. which is an old euphemism for a rent boy. And I've actually (laughs) never heard this term. I have. I have. Okay, well, great. I love it. And said, quote, I have, I have lost my character and cannot get on otherwise. I occasionally do odd jobs for different gay people. Uh, and he was. <laughs> At 21, Saul was working as a servant in the Dublin home of a wealthy and prominent young doctor, one Joseph, or John Joseph Cranny. In October that year, Saul and a friend were arrested for allegedly stealing a coat walking stick, gloves, and a salt cellar from Cranny's home. And I want to say that those items seem especially strange to steal. Who steals a walking stick and salt cellar? Um, These items were not claimed by Cranny, and so both the young men were acquitted. Prior to the case coming to the trial, Saul was briefly imprisoned, where he was recorded as being, quote, blue-eyed with a fair complexion. Imagine that, a really full picture of a man right there. (laughs) It's funny how so much of our histories as sex workers come from carceral records, but hey. So um, in 1879, he moved to London, sending home um, money to his mother, who was very poor and still in Ireland, and he was a very good boy. Um, So then there's this new scandal. As many of us know, the British colonized the shit out of Ireland, and that led to a number of scandals and violence resistance groups popping up. In 1884, Irish nationalists alleged 
uh, alleged homosexual orgies among the staff at Dublin Castle. The Dublin Castle was the seat of the British government's administration in Ireland until 1922. So among those charged with conspiracy to commit indecent offenses was Martin Ornmore Kirwin, a captain in the Royal Irish Fusilers. So when Kirwin was a young lieutenant in the Dublin militia, Saul had been one of his sexual partners. In 1884, Saul was interviewed by the police and was brought from London to Ireland to be a crown witness, but he was never called to give testimony, a matter which is still cause for speculation, much whispering in the streets. So Saul later stated that on the witness stand that he was told that it wasn't because of his, quote, disreputable character that his, that his testimony wasn't used, but because his evidence was too old relating to events of a considerable, uh, considerably earlier date. So his record of interview was destroyed in the Irish Civil War, and Kirwan was acquitted, but uh, he did resign after that. So in 1887, after hopping around London all over the place, Saul moved into a male brothel at 19 Cleveland Street, run by fellow full-service sex worker Charles Hammond, with whom he had previously lived. Saul was one of several professionals working there, um, but telegraph boys, uh, who are messenger boys who worked at the post office as well as at the brothel, were also recruited for part-time work. In 1889, when one of the boys was questioned regarding to how he obtained a bunch of money in his pockets, the Cleveland sca street scandal broke, creating news stories around the globe. British royalty and other elites were implicated as consumers of homosexual sex work. The government was also suggested to be complicit in the cover of the brothel's activities. The first trial uh, that resulted was a libel action by Lord Euston, heir of the Duke of Grafton, bloody blah, editor of the North, um, against Ernest Park, editor of the North London Press. Park had alleged Euston had been a visitor at the male brothel at the center of the scandal. It came to court in 1890, and Saul was called as a witness, and Saul delivered his testimony in what was described in one newspaper as, quote, brazen effrontery that reduced the court to shocked silence. He detailed his sexual encounter with Houston in the brothel in explicit language that shocked the court. He was sharp, witty, and defiant. So here are some of the questions that he was asked. And were you hunted by the police? No, they have never interfered. They have always been kind to me. Do you mean they don't have deliberately shut their eyes to your infamous practices? Oh, they have shut their eyes to more than me. Mm. To more than me. Oh. I don't know why it keeps cutting out. <laughs> but anyway, in the assessment of one scholar, Saul refused to play the role assigned to him. Unlike the messenger boys, he was a professional full-service sex worker and upended the simplistic narrative of one-sided exploitation of victimized youths. At one point of the proceedings, a newspaper report noted that Saul referred to himself as having nothing in his face but shame, and here he took out a handkerchief. Park was found guilty of libel in prison and imprisoned. However, Saul's testimony was probably the truth, since Euston was well known in the homosexual underworld and was later subject to repeated blackmail. So despite Saul's confession of prostitution on the witness stand, the attorney general declined to prosecute him. It could have been due to the rumors that Prince Albert Victor had been a patron of the brothel. So after the trial, Saul essentially retired from being a sex worker and he worked at a small hotel, returning to, to Dublin and he became a butler. 
at 46, he died of tuberculosis, and he is buried in Glasnevin Cemetery in an unmarked grave. So there are allegedly memoirs um, written by Saul, published anonymously and uh, authored clandestinely um, under the title, The Sins of the City of the Plain of Recollection. Sorry. The Sins of the Cities of the Plain or Recollections of a Marianne with short essays on sodomy and uh, tribidism. Tribidism. That is uh, the act of two women having sex with each other. Before the term lesbian, the term trabod was used actually in a lot of old stuff because that was a term specifically for the act of women having sex. Tribidism is scissoring. Love Uh, it. Thank you so much for piping in. I helped. That helped me so much. (laughs) So Saul's character is described as possessing a fresh looking beardless face with almost feminine features, auburn hair and sparkling blue eyes and endowed by a very extraordinary development of the male appendage. I would like that to go down in the history book for me. That me. (laughs) Uh, So asked by a prospective customer to provide his name, his character replies, Saul. Jack Saul, sir, of Lyle Street, Leicester Square, and ready for a lark with a free gentleman at any time. And that's the story of Saul, of John Saul, a.k.a. Jack Saul, a.k.a. Dublin Jack. Into it. All right, guys, so let's get back into our talk about cheetahs. So we kind of talked to Teddy about what happened. Hmm. <laughs> Malice was locked outside. She called me eight times by the way. I was so sorry. It's it was cold as shit out there and I wasn't happy about it. It was it was really sad. But um It's cold in the D. Dahmer needed to go to the bathroom and we were offered a, a literal bathroom, which is not typically where dogs go to the bathroom. I don't know how that was supposed to work, but I didn't bring them up, bro. I wonder, I'm like, you know, do you just, I mean, there actually the is a mop in there. I could have just, but I don't think that my dog would have thought that was right either. He yeah. would have been like, I don't, I mean, your dog is trained. It's like, yeah. it's house trained. He's, he actually has a litter box at home. <laughs> so he does go inside, but he only goes in the litter box. He's never gone outside of the litter box. Hmm. Okay. Like, I mean, yes. I appreciate that. What a well-trained, smart puppy. Yeah. I <laughs> highly recommend if you have a dog that's under, um, you know, like he's like under 15 pounds, he's small. I think that you should get a litter box because if you know anything about little dogs, you know that they have to pee very frequently. Mm -hmm. Unless you have one of those little, you know, side yard things that you can just open right away. Um, When they're puppies, it takes them too long to like find outside. So Mm -hmm. I think they're genius anyway. Wow, I mean, that's smart. Um, so we're going to talk more about what's going on at Cheetahs, what happened. We heard last episode that everybody was, uh, well, first told that they could, uh, that they were going to take a two-week break for a renovation, and then later received a text message that said that we are closing for the two-week renovation, and we will be under new management when we reopen, and you can inquire afterwards about employment opportunities. Yeah. Right. And 
that's mm. where we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's funny because um, they knew all along that the new management wouldn't hire any of us because the new management was hiring only specific body types. Mm-hmm. And um, could you talk about the new management? The new management, I know nothing about except for from another dancer that used to work at one of his, his other clubs um, said that it's basically like he runs it kind of like he gets these celebrity kind of names on Instagram to come work at his clubs, promote free for him, basically, in hopes that they get hired. But the girls that get hired are <laughs> the girls that get hired are kind of just girls that are willing to, like, hook up with him and his homies and give VIP extras to his Um, favorite clientele VIP guys and basically they run it kind of like their own little personal brothel and they go to a bunch of different strip clubs Mm -hmm. and um, basically manage them out that way then the clubs don't have to be um, paying for employees Mm. so they have like a loophole that they can get away with doing their private events there like kind of like a ace of diamonds style Atlanta style. So, I mean, but it's like the people, like they're coming in under the brand of AOD, right? V-Live. Yeah. V-Live. It's on their V-Live. Oh, it's under V-Live. Yeah, it's the guys who own V-Live. Oh. So for those of you who don't know, V-Live is like a notable, like black club. It's like an urban club kind of, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, so, and um, they're known for like their stage show and stuff and kind of the whole urban scene is what we've kind of talked about before. I mean, yeah, like we said, like the the girls that work at our dope, they're really cool, pretty proficient with social media and they look banging and all that other shit, except for, you know, it just does suck once again. Like they only have that one body type. They don't mm-hmm. really open their doors to a lot of different other styles of types of girls. And they, I mean, people know what to expect when they go there. It's certain looks, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, yeah, so they turned it into that. Um, I can Which is s- a, a radical change from what it once was. Yeah, I mean, opposite. before it was just a dive bar and it had like a really cool, like kind of more stage oriented shows too, but like um, more along the lines of like artistic expression type shit, not just like. And rocker alt girl looks. Well, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, the the looks were definitely more variety and more like, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a big butts club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and then the music would be all over the place. It was like different girls bringing different styles and, you know, and it didn't cost a lot of money to go in there. You know, one of the problems I'm going to say of the reason why clubs like this die out, though, is honestly, I mean, we got to say that they had, an, you know, like they never did good with their own promotion mm-hmm. and they always expect the girls to out themselves on social media and promote yeah. it themselves, which mm-hmm. I always did, but like, I can't do it by myself. Like we needed to have more girls that were into doing that if we wanted to make it a stage based club. And, and then, I also just feel like a lot of times the people who take over the Insta or like the other social media, like they don't have an eye for it. Yeah, they mm-hmm. don't. No, they don't. <laughs> like I listen, I was doing the social media for the longest time, even though I know that I don't have the social media for that kind of a, thing yeah and then on top of that a lot of the girls that were there that i thought should be on our social media didn't want to be in social media you know and so um and i was only doing it for free as a favor but they should have paid someone to make that shit i mean it's it is a job you know it's it's not fair to you and you've been like allowing them to use your likeness and all of that for promo yeah Yeah. and i and, and i was promoing for them on my own page and promoing you know like doing a lot and like i mean we a lot a lot of us were and um, nobody got any credit ever. Nobody got anything. And um, 
you know, they, yeah, it was just kind of like a, a major burn. Honestly, I didn't expect much different from them. Like, it's not like I didn't, it's not like I felt there was love there. But, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's always been, you know, business primarily and that, you know, the people in charge taking their pickings first. I mean, my only beef is like the group text was pretty fucking tasteless. And, um, you know, like the excuse from the manager was more like, oh, well, I was out of town. Well, then wait till you get back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or do it before you go out of town because you had um, how many months to uh, broker this deal with the new management that you knew that this was going to happen. Also, you should have let us have a a blowout party. I mean, and, and yeah, exactly. And you should have given dancers like at least a month to like find new employment. Yeah. We had had a meeting like not even a month before and that wasn't mentioned and people had been spotting the V lives dudes there for at least two to three months at a time. Like a couple girls knew really? them because yeah. they knew the V live dudes and they're like, yeah, they, Oh, I know that guy. He's from V live. Like they had seen them in the club months at a time. And this was not spoken of until three days before it happened. I mean, I, I'd like to, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. I will say that a lot of people romance cheetahs for opportunities to manage or run or take over. So maybe cheetahs didn't want to say anything until they got the final, uh, you know, deal brokered. But yeah. at the same time, um, they should have still brokered the deal, found out about it, and then been like, hey, you guys, we're going to change new management. We're really sorry about this, but we're going to let you guys have a fucking outrageous blowout, like end of the era party. Like you invite all your customers, like we're going to fucking, and it would have been fucking dope. Like that would have been at least cool. I mean, yeah. I feel like I would have been, like, if I were in your shoes, I would be like sore about that kind of thing and be like, fuck you. And like wanting to like have this last big blowout where you're going to make a bunch of money and like, you want me to invite my people there just because, and then you're going to take my job from me. Yeah, we never got to say like goodbye to our customers. We had customers texting girls. We had customers texting well, me, texting other girls. Like, where am I going to see you guys? I haven't seen you guys. I didn't know I would have come if I knew. Yeah, like, yeah. We and, were ending. And I mean, yeah, side eye would have been like, yeah, it's a bummer that they're fucking, you know, changing new management. But if they at least given us a chance to have that party, like, or to have like some kind of closure, like closure, mm-hmm. and and did it more in a respectful way. I would have been less salty about it just because like, you know, I understand get your money mm-hmm. and cheetahs had been struggling for a while. And I get once the law made them make us all employees, it was hard for them to figure out how to pay, even though their shady way of doing it was also still for their own benefit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, what were they making you do to, to pay it? Like, so they, for the nine years that I worked there, like one of the things that attracted me to cheetahs, which was one of your earlier questions I didn't answer, but, uh, I, um, when I moved to LA, I had already been dancing for 10 years. Like, oh, wow. So I, so you were a full veteran. Yeah. I was already that status. So <laughs> I had already gotten to the lazy ish point. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, not lazy as far as like I danced every night and I went on stage and I would walk on the ceiling and do all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. But I mean, as far as like trying to like talk to customers and hustle and that shit. Mm-hmm. But like, I liked cheetahs back then because it didn't force me to hustle. Like mm-hmm. some clubs kind of make, they don't force you, but they're like, you know, like you get better shifts if you hustle mm-hmm. and you um get to go on stage more or you just basically, you know, or you just can't make money on stage. So you need to hustle. Yeah, so, it's so I, weird. I feel like for, in my experience, it's more like if you bribe the right people, you get all of those things. <laughs> well, in Vegas, it kind of works like that, but it wouldn't matter because you still have to hustle there because there's no stage money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's no point in me trying to like get out of doing the shit that I normally don't like doing because I'd still wouldn't make a, sh- ma- wouldn't make any money. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, 
Um, I like cheetahs cause they had some hipsters that went there and some couples and like female customers and like, I like clubs that have a lot of that, like yeah. a lot of, uh, like diverse customers anyway. Um, yeah. So then I knew I wouldn't have to do as many lap dances and that's just not my forte. I'm not good with intimacy. I mean, it's just, <laughs> that's what it really breaks down to. I that's don't, fair. I don't even like intimacy with people I date. Like if someone tries to hold my hand, I want to punch them. I hate that shit. Same. Like I'm just not comfortable with being close to like one person. I think that also is like how my sexuality is like the way if, if there wasn't STDs, let's say mm -hmm. um, the way that like my perfect relationship would definitely be a lot of multiple partners. Yeah, yeah. At one time, I have that kind of a loving part of me that I can love a lot of people at one time. I'm, I mean, them the same way. Like, and and I really like in in a sexual scenario, like the way I would like sex to work out is the more the merrier because I think of all the different like configurations you could get into. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like sex one on one. It's like you do this position and this position, but I'm like if you keep adding people, then you can do all this cool shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, back in the day, I did a lot of orgies and threesomes and stuff like that <laughs> in high it. school, and I loved it. But you know, it got complicated over the years, and then I got more like um, uh, STD phobic over the years. You know, uh -huh. and not even STD, just just in general, like a, any random infection. I can't even stand you know <laughs> so i'm just like i don't want to deal with any bacteria yeah yeah you know but anyway um aside from that so i'm just saying like uh i just didn't want to be a lap dance girl i wanted to do a stage and cheetahs was working for a while for that and then once we became employees after i had been there nine years they started saying like if you don't want to do lap dances then you don't need to be here really they didn't say it like that they said it a different way like we just really need you guys to push lap dances and then they were like obviously they were charging the first four dances goes to the house and then every 15 dollars after that they keep so they're getting you know money i will yeah. point out though before this also the thing a lot of girls like is they didn't take any of your lap dance money it was the only yeah. club i ever worked at really? where she just didn't take any you made 20 dollars on a lap before. dance you made 20 dollars on a lap dance mm -hmm. that was it the mm -hmm. only cut they took from you was your house at the end of the night everything else you made and you kept and they didn't even always take the house fee if you didn't make like yeah. over a hundred dollars or you can you just say just you like didn't make it yeah. And they honestly, they wouldn't check. Like it was really like free without, so you basically got to say, this is what I made. Yeah. And so like the balance was then that the girls who did lap dances and didn't do stage were happy because they kept all of it. And if you did get lap dances, you were in like, oh, it's 20 minus five. You're like, cool, 20 bucks. So like, what did you have to like pay to work or like, how did they make their money primarily? Well, back then they made their money mostly on the bar and they didn't have to pay your minimum wage. So uh -huh. they didn't. So care. it was just like you provided like essentially like no overhead entertainment for yeah, them. Right. And, and they I mean, just ran a bar. Yeah. And you show up or you don't, but like you're also yeah. free advertisement for them because you're posting on your social media and mm -hmm. then you're also doing their social media for free. And so they're getting more people coming into their bar mm -hmm. and they just, yeah, they're just like getting that. With so the they were like cells. primarily like a bar and then, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I yeah, mean, they were making some money off the stage fees for the girls that really hustle, but like, you know. Like they always is like a good handful of those girls that always had a stage fee, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and they'd have like 15, 16 girls a night, you know, multiply of that times 20, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. they were getting some money there, but yeah. So, I mean, they were, they, it was good for a while. I mean, even though there was a lot of, I mean, definitely I had nights at Cheetahs where I only made 
like a dollar or two. Really? There would just be no <laughs> customers some nights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it would just be like dead. I remember like I could, you know, before my Snapchat was deleted, I could look back at three years ago and see some videos I made where it was just like all night, uh, all of us girls going on stage, like kind of showing each other tricks and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Bored, you know? <laughs> And just like videoing ourselves, trying yeah. to hustle customers in. And, you know, it was just, it would be like that, but it would still be fun. And we had like a cool little sisterhood. We all like, you know, had our little A team and B team kind of <laughs> get along shit. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's yeah. my favorite thing. Right. So V Live guys came in and they took over and all of the girls who were originally there, the alt chicks got kind of kicked out. Um, what were you going to say, Teddy? Yeah, because it's not, okay, we're making a sound news only because girls were alternative. It's also because Cheetahs itself had a specific body type that they hired. Mm. That's another metric to this. Bobby only hired girls that he would fuck. Mm. And Bobby had a very specific type. And Bobby liked small girls. Uh-huh. So most of the girls that worked at Cheetahs had, uh, I'm not, I don't know I was going to say, my mouse's body type. No one can see us. But most girls were like really, petite. were like small and petite or short. Like we maybe like two or three girls with fat asses and like two or three girls with big boobs. But most girls were like at most a C cup, not really a big ass, like perky, but Mm. not big and like thin because that was the type. And so you have to understand the switch to V life wasn't just a switch in music and a switch in like tattoos. It was also a complete switch in body types. Yeah. Cause I feel like in those kinds of clubs, like it's not necessarily like they're against piercings or tattoos. It's just like, you just need to have this kind of curve. Mm-hmm. Well, right. Yeah. Cause I mean, people that dance for the new night, a lot of them are heavily tattooed and yeah. Yeah. piercings and shit like that, but definitely it's that body type they're going for and yeah. like, and a kind of a hair type. Yeah. And that was a body type Bobby <laughs> wouldn't hire. Yeah. <laughs> like he wouldn't hire girls that looked like that. That's so interesting. I mean, my club is like similar right now because we have, um, a, it's like very petite leaning and I, it's probably cause my boss is like also a c- smaller guy. Like mm-hmm. he prefers like petite, yeah. thin women. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So the girls just no longer were the right type for the club that mm-hmm. she just became. Yeah. And they did, they do, they did renovations, right? Yeah. Yeah. They completely remodeled the club. I mean, so it looks nice there. It looks really nice. <laughs> really? It looks way like, nicer. <laughs> it looks like they put at least 10 grand into it. Oh, wow. It's beautiful in there now. I'm oh, pissed damn. about it because I'm like, wow, we couldn't have that. But it looks, oh, it's tight. The stage yeah. lights up. Yeah, the oh. whole bottom of the stage. It looks really nice. They just did, they did that at like Deja Vu on Main Street. I feel like they like did a big remodel and like the stages are all this like shiny, pretty kind of like, um, what's the word opalescent mm-hmm. like plexiglass type stuff and then Ooh. they have that overhead catwalk so that you can slide down great. the poles hot, from the head hot. on top yeah but i mean they did the, they did a similar kind of takeover like management style mm-hmm. um so what happened next i mean you want to continue from what happened after v live took over yeah i mean we were all just fired so you were all just fired and now, and then, so how do you all come in t- contact with SOP, which is kind of how we know each other, Soldiers of Pole? Well, Soldiers clarify. of Pole had approached me for sure a few mm-hmm. times throughout the years, but I was always resistant to dealing with it because um, I have my own personal views about unions and like it's not really actually anti-union or anything. Like it was more just, I, I, I'm going to admit, I still want to have the freedom to be an independent contractor. And that's not just for me. That's for a lot of people that have been independent contractors for years. And that's just because I'm an anarchist, you guys. That's just my whole thing. But the fact that we are not 
that anymore and that there's a law now made me realize that I have to um, put my shit aside mm-hmm. for now. And um, this law is here. So now we have to do this. Mm-hmm. This is what is needed at this time because definitely there if we're gonna have to be employees by law then we have to have a fucking union mm-hmm. that that goes hand in hand because they're doing so much shady shit at all those clubs now and the girls are too scared to say anything about it and the clubs are hiring more and more girls that are the most scared types yeah you know they're getting rid of, they already got rid of most of us old school girls at a lot of clubs that have been doing this for so many years that were like ah no you can't pimp me mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. girls are like young and they're kind of just like is this the way it's supposed to be i didn't know but mm-hmm. like, they're I just guess- like they've never known it a different way yeah Yeah, they're just like i mean just imagine if you just walk into a place and this is the way it's run you're like oh i guess this is what everyone does i guess this is what i do then yeah Yeah. you know i guess you know because i mean i've always gone sort of with the flow at certain clubs you know like however they operate but i mean i've always been like a no touching type dancer so like even if if i've gone to a club and i was like oh wow they're really touchy here i peace out Mm. you know i'm like this is just the level that they're mostly comfortable with this at this club so I'm just gonna go somewhere else Mm -hmm. but like you know like I've been dancing so long I kind of know what um you know well I've seen how they could be and how great they could be and I don't want it to be less than what it was you know because I started dancing and I had a lot of freedom and I don't want that taken away from all these new baby strippers that are starting out that like don't know what it's like to fucking feel like you are an owner Mm. of your own sexuality, an owner. Mm. Like I've owned my own sexuality for so many years that I can't let someone take it now, you know? So Mm. I don't want to be an employee stripper, but if I have to be, I want a union so that other people that are I'm working for aren't mistreating me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Teddy, what do you think about like the kind of uh, push toward unionization by groups like SOP and others? All right, so um, if Malice isn't anarchist, Malice, I'm a card-carrying socialist. I'm 110% union. And I I did like a lot of aspects of being an independent contractor just because I like the freedom. I like the, I like the wiggle room, and I kind of like the... Um, the kind of sliding under the radar, like no record stuff. Because yeah, I, yeah. I may be a socialist, but I'm also, if I could, I would be a grizzled old man in the woods in Alaska with like no social security card and no birth certificate. Just that's the government like, can't know I'm here. That's my dad. So I was just like, no records ever. And so <laughs> I was okay with that. But then when the law happened, it was kind of like, okay, well, it's happened uh so maybe now now that we're all employees we might as well unionize because this is all industries are rife for exploitation and bosses will exploit you as much as they can because the system of capitalism is predated upon the exploitation and destruction of people's bodies Mm -hmm. and in an industry that is already rife with exploitation i feel like that manifests so much more especially because what um, managers rely on, what bosses rely on, what clubs rely on in sex work is shame. And they rely on shame and silence to keep girls in really oppressive uh, situations. And the concept of a union is you don't have to out yourself because you have the backing of a union, Mm -hmm. but your union can speak for you. So instead of feeling like, well, I feel like the situation is kind of shifty, but I can't say anything. I can't go to a lawyer. I can't do anything because then everyone's going to know I'm a dancer. You can just go to your union and union's like, you don't have to say anything. Yeah. We'll we'll back you and we'll make sure you get what you deserve and you get the rights you deserve. And it kind of removes a bit of the the shame. 
That's so, that's, I mean, that's a really important point is that like the union has that protection. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to like set on either side of the fence, even though I am part of SOP. Like, I mean, you know, coming into that organization, I had my own skepticism as well. I mean, I think we're all kind of like afraid of different things. Like my fear was just like, what could this mean to more marginalized workers than me? Mm-hmm. Like people who are not documented mm-hmm. or to people exactly. who have a lot more to lose, like who don't have the flexibility to hop around to clubs because like maybe they're not as young or maybe they have like a whole family that they're supporting or mm-hmm. things like that, you know? So, yeah. And it's one of those things that, I mean, those, those are all things that always um, were in my opinion as well. Like things that like a union or not just a union, but being an employee would, you know, hinder so many dancers that I've been friends with for years, you know, the ones, like you said, that are illegal or the ones that are, um, you know, like just have kids. No one can know that they're dancers, like Mm -hmm. all that other kind of shit. But like I said, like, that's the one thing that I was like, well, I want to work with them now because I, we are employees now. There is no, like what if yeah, there's can't no turning really, back the clock mm-hmm. we we can fight against being employees later on but the fact is those things take so many years to turn over once they become a law laws are so hard to reverse so it's easier i think and even even if it's not easier um i would still want it to be a choice so some people could still be an employee and in that case people should still have a union mm-hmm. so like I just think it should be, you know, kind of like no one really gets penalized if someone wants to work under the table and just let the people that want to do that do that kind of shit. But like, but I mean, there also is like that incentive to like only hire the people who are willing to volunteer to not be. Well, I mean, but the opposite incentive would be like those clubs would um, be having they 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 would be um, like okay, so like not obligated or. Well, no, like if they had to have some employees, but they were allowed to like not get in trouble to have some, cause I mean, just look at most like restaurants, mm-hmm. they'll have like some people that are on the books and then they have some people that are illegals that are working well, in the kitchen Undocumented people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I shouldn't use that word cause I don't agree with it either. Um, but like, um, I just use the words that they know, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but, um, you know, like it's basically like, yeah, so they could, you know, be looking like a actual business publicly, but then also still just, you know, I don't know. Yeah, have some things that they do that are have a some, bit under the table. Have mm-hmm. some wiggle room for people that, you know, like have multiple jobs that need a more flexible schedule. Have some, you know, but like mm-hmm. either people way. People who travel and or like, in, like who come in and work a certain amount of time, but yeah. then go back. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, if you have to be an employee, like what if you're visiting and you want to work just for a yeah. little bit? I mean, there's, like, you know, I mean, that is the biggest thing right now is also there's just not the flexibility f- to be like a traveling stripper in California anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So many people used to do that and that was so cool. And I wanted to do it for the longest time. I was like, I'll do it when I don't have dogs anymore. <laughs> and that's just never happened. Um, but no matter what happened or what I wanted before, we are employees now. So mm-hmm. we have to do the best we can to like organize. So we aren't so girl it's completely taken advantage yeah, of yeah. that's already happening. And it's happening at such a fast rate. And I feel like if we don't like get involved now, like all the young girls that are getting into it are already going to be kind of like set up to think that this is the way it is. And they're not even going to try to fight. Cause they're going to be like, 
well, I mean, I still make my minimum wage and, mm-hmm. you know, this, 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 and they'll, oh, they'll start God. to get comfortable with that less. That was the word. Well, yeah, they'll start to get Well, I mean, that doesn't even make sense to me. I mean, I'm just like, you're a stripper. Like, you should be making stripper money. They don't know that. And your girls at Cheetahs would say that to us all the time when we'd complain. They'd be like, well, we're still making minimum wage. And I'm like, like, how little did you yeah. make, bitch? And they'd be like, I yeah. made like 150 in tips. And, and I'd like, be like, girl, I spit on that. Like, that's like, a you rude could be, money's money. But I'm like, you don't know what our you potential You could be making is. that waiting tables. It's Exactly. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing sex work if you're not making sex work money. In exactly. I mean, you're. I mean, I, like, I don't want to discredit people who like don't have a choice. Yeah. Who can't survive in other industries because that's definitely real. And you know, you got to work from where you are. But you know, I just I think that you should. Sex work should be lucrative. Incredibly, you're undertaking a mass amount of risk in so many ways. You should be completely getting compensated for that risk you could get outed you could lose your family you could lose your job people may not talk to you you can be assaulted and yeah. you wouldn't get justice for it exactly there's so many the things yeah. like at the very least fuck it at least you should be going home at 500 a night yeah at least yeah also it's just one of those things that it's um everyone's glorifying it now on tv oh totally and um then they 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 don't show the reality that it's like you know like not like that for everyone and so then people have this stigma that like oh you make all this money you can afford all this shit you know but like dude where i just became an employee i don't i don't ball out like that now what well are you i mean about? yeah and i mean it's like it's it's not just that but it's just um i mean it doesn't include any of like the the things around like full service or oh, things yeah, like right. that and mm. and i mean it's just it's <sighs> I don't know. It's such a mixed like depiction because it doesn't include the things like that you lose, like your family, like you were saying, like, you know, your family isn't going to support you most of the time. Like you're not going to be able to write this on a resume to get a valid job. Yeah. Like you're going to have resume gaps, you know, like there's just all of the other stigma. You can't use it to like go further in life. Exactly. It's not like, I mean, it's not like, oh, great. Like you worked as a stripper. Perfect. We'd love to hire you at this job i don't know like yeah unless it was part of your thesis (laughs) even then i doubt it honestly yeah no i mean it's not you know like they're like well you need to have like real experience it's already like there's a million and one like reasons why employers will try not to hire to like avoid hiring you like oh you need like two years of experience Mm -hmm. in like this exact career and blah 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 like Mm -hmm. People always act like it's so easy to, to get jobs when there's people that have had like all the right education and all the right everything and they still can't get hired, you know? And it's like, we have like so much, I mean, people always like when, um, they found out that I lost cheetahs or whatever, they're like, Oh, so what are you going to do now? You should do this. Like someone was like, you should be a lawyer. I'm like, right. Great. That's let me get right right into that from, um, I was homeless before I was a stripper and now I haven't worked in like almost two decades so mm-hmm. i'm gonna just fill out in my resume and applications and like also get college for free because mm-hmm. you know yeah just because they do that because they do that because yeah, they they're trying to out. support you i'm yeah. not saying that it's not possible but i also don't want to be a lawyer because i don't want to work in the daytime but yeah. um yeah, yeah there's it's not very fun from my, my partner is a lawyer so <laughs> i mean i think i i think it's i actually like think lawyers are so awesome like i love that people can use language to win uh-huh. you know like i think it's super hot like i'm gonna be a lawyer but that's not coming for a while I'm i think it's so cool that would be really cool I'm you cool. should do it, 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 it i will cool. i can't not do it my mom's a paralegal and i have been i've been groomed 
to be a lawyer. <laughs> That's why I talk the way I talk. A lot of people most are like, you argue like a lawyer. And I'm like, because lawyers like arguing. And I grew up with my mom and a bunch of lawyers. And they like you if you can argue. And they like me as a kid because I would argue. I love people that can argue. I think it's really cool because I can't. <laughs> like, if, I like... wanted, if I wanted permission to do something as a kid, I had to make a legal argument. And my mom would be the prosecution and the judge. And I would have to make like <laughs> a little document. I have to make a docket. I'd be like, this is why, according to precedent, according to the rules you've set, according to all these things, this is why you should let me do this i love that yeah. and was she fair <laughs> sometimes i mean i would but i would also call that out and i'd be like objection i think it's biased that the prosecution is also the judge and she'd be like fair enough fair catch. oh my god <laughs> that's so cute oh my gosh i can't wait until you're a lawyer <laughs> a sexy lawyer it's very sexy mm -hmm. oh but yeah well sorry <laughs> no i don't so I'm what's it like I'm going to ask you both, like, what's it like being a stripper? Because you both have different experiences. And I want to ask it, like, from where you are right now. You go first. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. I don't. That is such a mixed bag question. Because you're, like, you're a young black woman. Yeah, okay. With uh, natural curly hair. I don't wear it at work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. I call it cheetah. Oh, man, a cheetah's you could. That's the other thing that pissed me off. A cheetah's I could. It was the first club that I could oh, do that. And people so refreshing. were. And people were into it, actually. It was pretty solid. Oh, I like that. Uh, okay. But I don't know because I've never really considered it in terms of, well, I've half considered it as a job, but I also think that's not right because I know when we talk about stripping and we try to get people to like, understand this we go well it's a job how do you feel about your job it's a mixed bag and it is a job but at the same time it's also an identity because it's an identity that people put on you so it's an identity that you take up just because if i tell anybody i'm a stripper i'm a stripper and i'm always a stripper no matter what no matter what else we talk about no matter what else we do it always circles back around to that that's always in the back of their mind that's always a consideration of me it's become a mm -hmm. part of me and so therefore it's like a job that you as much as you would like to, you can't like put down and just like go home because you're always that. And once people find out about it, it's always on you. So I think when I started, I tried just thinking about it as, well, there's some things I like and there's some things I don't like. Uh, but now I think at this point in my career, I think especially career, especially uh, <laughs> leaving cheetahs and not dancing for a month, like in some ways leaving cheetahs was really helpful because I had been kind of like wiggly and I was like, I don't know if I want to keep dancing. I don't know what I want, but leaving cheetahs and not dancing made me be like, I fucking love dancing. Honestly, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Even with the bad shit, I love it because the bad stuff is still, okay, I'm in Aries. I love chaos energy. The bad <laughs> shit is still fun to me because the bad stuff is stuff I can't do in another job. The bad stuff is someone touching me and then me being like, if you fucking touch me again, I swear to God, I'm gonna stab you with this fucking stiletto, <laughs> which I can't do anywhere else. And um, I like, beautiful. I've met all of my friends now, <laughs> literally all of my friends now are other strippers. Like that's where I've met everybody I've really loved and I've really connected with and I've really like, the people who have like really been there for me have always been other dancers. It's really like a true community. And I realized that the problems I had with stripping weren't problems inherent to stripping. There are problems inherent to whorephobia and um, other people's perception of stripping. The problems I had were, oh, I can't tell my family, but that's not, that has nothing to do with dancing yeah. in and of itself. That is to do with people's perceptions of dancing. Yeah. So uh, I like being a stripper. However, <laughs> I do though think that it is not for everyone. It's a hundred percent not for everyone. I think that 
not to say like body type wise, but personality wise, mental health wise, you have to be a certain kind of person or this world will eat you. It will absolutely devour you if you're not ready for it. A hundred percent. And I don't like the perceptions of it and I don't like the glamorizations of it and I don't like the way it's represented that make people who are not suited for it or don't really get what it is get into it and that really bothers me what I don't like about being a stripper isn't being a stripper it's other people's perceptions of me even the girls who think they have like a good perception that are like oh you're so free you're so wild oh my god I wish I was like you I bet you fuck all the time and I'm like I'm like I don't like to be touched if someone isn't fucking me have you considered that I'm always like don't fucking touch me (laughs) I'm like you don't know you don't know what it is no one really gets what it is unless they're in it so be careful if you want to dance. That's all I'm saying. Or what about you, Malice? I, I really feel a lot the same. And like one of the things that Teddy said that I was really like, um, feeling when she said it was talking about, okay, like one of the things that I've noticed in my, you know, over 15 years of dancing is like the general population of us. We're all outcasts in a way. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of us really found each other like comforting and that sisterhood that's been in dancing, like I'm mm-hmm. gonna cry because it's like seriously <laughs> so beautiful. You know, like I was um, in foster care. A lot of girls of us were in foster care. I like really um, felt like my first family was like the foster sisters that I had. And you know, like that was like, you know, I had a, I was in a big foster home. It was like eight girls and like we all like, you know, like we're just helping each other and like, you know, going through the same fucking bullshit together. And then when I was on the streets, there was like a group of girls that we all hung out on the streets together. And like, then when I was in prison, there was a group of us that were all together. (laughs) Basically a lot of us just dealing with society's bullshit together Mm -hmm. and um, bonding through that. And that's one of the most beautiful things that I found with stripping. Once again, that doesn't work out for everyone because some girls aren't, cut out for that if you have any part of you that's really competitive and jealous of other girls you ain't right for that shit either because yeah um girls that are like that kind of click up and like are protecting each other because you know like unless the girls are just about their hustle and you know they don't pay us any attention and they're about their money but you know like there's always you know like some little mini beefs in there with girls because you know like i've i've been in all those situations like i've i've I know how to be friends with women mm-hmm. and I also know how to be with women. <laughs> uh, sorry. I'm so gross. But, um, anyway, totally <laughs> I'm just saying like, I'm, I, I don't view women as competition. And I think that it's, um, beautiful when you find a place where there's a bunch of girls that think the same way and you all work together. And even when the times are shit, which mm-hmm. they have been so many times in the, clubs that I've worked at where I made a thousand dollars a night we still had some weird shit sometimes and we had some like bullshit but we all like kind of held on to each other you know and it's just mm-hmm. like I I love that I love fi- finding that those kind of sisterhood places and I think that strip clubs just really breed that because they're you know they're gr- such a big group of girls together working through some shit mm-hmm. you know and um so but in general like as a dancer also when I was a little girl, I was a total tomboy, tree climber. Really, on, honestly, I hated being a girl for most of my life. I wanted to be a boy. I skateboarded, I climbed trees, like everything, tomboyish, whatever. And But at the same time, I would dance in my room by myself all the time. But the way I danced was a, a, 
like a strippery way. <laughs> um, I think I was also raised watching like, you know, MTV and yeah. Solid mm-hmm. Gold and all these other dance shows. And yeah. I loved dancing. When I go to sleep at night, ever since I can remember, I fall asleep to the vision of a girl dancing. Wow. And typically she's on a pole or she's dancing in a strippery way, but that soothes me into a sleep is like the vision oh, of a woman that's dancing. that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I just really love watching specifically women dance. Like I can watch dudes, dudes blow my mind dancing too. Like those dudes yeah. that do the New York subway and shit. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't dream to them, but like I definitely am fucking like blown away when I see what they do. Yeah. I think it's really cool, but like I really like I'm comforted by women dancers. And, um, you know, when I first started dancing at like a strip, well, actually the first time I ever danced, like with that girl that I told you guys about in the earlier episode where I showed up, it was a party of about 30 dudes. I was like, Oh, like, I'm like a boy. These guys aren't going to be into me, whatever. I don't know. She gave me like a schoolgirl outfit. She put in like, this is like early. It wasn't even 2000 yet. It was, it had to be like 98 or something. She puts in a CD of like Crystal Method. You guys know that group? No. no. It's like some early electronic. Oh, like, I love it. Kind of music. Ooh, it's like. I have to check this out now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's very cocaine. It's very cocaine. Okay. And Crystal um, Method. I mean, yeah. with a name like that. Right, right. And um, <laughs> they, anyway, she puts on this CD and I literally knew exactly what to do mm-hmm. dancing for these guys. It's like I had been doing it my whole freaking life. And I got out in front of these guys and st- I rocked their night. Like I just I danced. Yeah. And like I had never so even put natural. on a pair of stripper shoes before that. But I mm-hmm. fucking instantly knew how to wear them. This is what I was bred to do. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that night, I was like, this is who I am. <laughs> and I was just like, this is what I do. And then, you know, like when I got sober, the people in my recovery were like, you shouldn't go back to dancing. It's not spiritual work. You'll end up getting loaded again. Hmm. And so for two years I was like, maybe they're right. I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to get loaded again. Like maybe they're, maybe it's not. And I, but I kept saying to myself and to them, you know, I'd be like, but it's like spiritual to me. Yeah. I find dancing very spiritual. Like I, I feel like I do it automatically and it's part of my essence in my being. And I think it doesn't matter what kind of a dancer you are, whether it be ballet, whether honestly in Portland, the Oregon ballet used to practice in a studio next to the club I worked at and they used to come watch us dance all the time. That's so cool. And um, I I was always super honored when they came. Like, it's so freaking cool. I wish I could afford to go see them dance. (laughs) I love it. Like whenever dancers honor other dancers. I know. Mm -hmm. And I think they should, I respect all forms of dance. And I think that, you know, like there's, um it uh, like in eastern religions it's like the dancer is one of the it's just one of the entities like Mm -hmm. like shiva yeah Yeah. dancing is an entity it's like Mm -hmm. it's it's you know like creation and destruction yeah Yeah. exactly and i'm just like this is what i do and so like also the the first time when i got on a pole i never took a pole class they didn't have youtube when i started dancing (laughs) i didn't know how to dance on it but i knew how to dance on it yeah because i'd seen it in my dreams for so many years like i naturally knew how to use it and i was like this is what i do and i fucking loved it and it's heartbreaking to me to watch what the industry is becoming you know like i just i had such high hopes for it because i'd seen what it potential it had Mm -hmm. you know and in portland we're fully nude dancers you know and i love that too and i hate how here the stigma is if it's fully nude it's dirty and it's gross no fully nude's the best everyone's hot when they're naked yeah well i I feel that way too exactly because to me what's more beautiful like a renaissance nude or a victoria's secret ad you know like victoria's secret ad is beautiful too 
but it has a price where yeah. it's like the renaissance and it's is also like, like following trend too. Yeah, it's, yeah yeah and that's the thing it's like in this in the same token you know like me being attracted to women like i'll be attracted to women in general like you know more than i'm attracted to in, in men you know and like i most of the time when i look at a girl like i'll find things to like mm -hmm. but like you know when i look at dancers on stage like sometimes i won't like a girl just because of her outfit and it's not <laughs> me being catty it's me just being like why is she wearing that like she's so oh, beautiful yeah. like mm -hmm. she could be so hot and she's wearing this i feel cheap, like i've worn those bad outfits uh, the, all the time like you know, so many times these fucking <laughs> ross panties with a fucking they're like cotton panties with a lace bra Shit like that will piss matching. me off. Just, uh, I just don't mm. like it. I get it works because like old men like it, you know? And so mm. they're making their money and they're they're catering to the guy that, or the person that they think they can make the most money off of. Mm -hmm. But like, I'm like, but what about my needs? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But I'm just like, I just think it's so much more beautiful when the girl strips to nude. But in mm -hmm. Portland, we had bouncers that would break your arm if you try to touch a dancer. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that was their focus every night is to try to break arms. Honestly, it's they crazy. went a little too I've hard. I've like watched like bouncers at my club, like two girls were like, this guy like literally like went and touched a vagina. Mm -mm. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? And they didn't kick the guy out because he's like one of the regulars who's no. like just a lurker. Oh, no. no, in Portland, that would not fly. The clubs that I worked at were notorious for beating up customers that try to touch a girl. Honestly, our bouncers all had cases against them for that. Nice, and that's so what I want. It's the kinda, only reason they beat up people at my club is like whenever they don't pay for something. Yeah. It's literally just like the monetary thing, not the protection of us. But I, I loved the fact that there it's, um, you know, it was culture shock for me to find out like we're stuck in the eighties here in Los Angeles where to me, it's like eighties where it's your fault if a customer touches you because you provoked him. That's so backwards. That's like, you deserve to be raped because you're wearing a skirt. Yeah. No, no. No, actually very victim teach, blaming. teach men not to touch without permission. Yes. And consent is what I'm all about too. It's like, as uh -huh. long as everyone's a consenting partner, fine. But also like, you know, the club should set limitations for how far that can go as well. And bouncer should, should follow suit with that. I'm constantly mm -hmm. like teaching customers about consent. It's that like, shouldn't be your like fucking wild. job. Yeah. That should not be your job. It should not. Your job should, it should be, be their parents' job. Your job, it should be that too. It should start there. Uh -huh. I think it should be taught in school yeah. not to touch anyone without permission. Yeah, mm -hmm. 100%. And not to guilt trip people that don't touch you mm -hmm. or don't allow you to touch them. Mm -hmm. Like if someone doesn't want to be touched, respect it. Mm -hmm. you or know? just all boundaries, you know? All ba like somebody yeah, says no, just say no. There should that be a freaking no. boundary class because there's so many people that don't get it and they just are so upset when they're rejected mm -hmm. and it's so out mm -hmm. of control. They it's, feel like it's personal, you know? Yeah, mm -hmm. and, it's, and maybe it is sometimes, but still it, it doesn't matter. If it doesn't somebody matter. didn't like, I mean, just me with animals. Like if a dog doesn't want me to fucking pet it, I don't pet it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't get mad at it. You know, that's irrational. It's irrational. It's yeah. so crazy. Like if fucking somebody doesn't want my attention we don't we can try later or whatever like i don't need it mm -hmm. you know like i'm not gonna die move yeah. on mm -hmm. it's craziness it's insanity all right you guys i have some rapid fire questions okay okay uh teddy what's your favorite kind of pleaser uh either Patent leather boots, eight inches only or over. I like eight to nine inches. Either the black patent leather boots or black patent leather front strap, ankle strap. Love it. Okay. Uh, Malice, are you a pole dancer or a floor work gal? Uh, a little bit of both, but mostly pole. Okay. Teddy, 
We're just going to go back and forth now. Okay. How often do you wash your stripper fits? Uh, I don't want to say because Malice will be really grossed out with me. <laughs> Malice. I wash them after I wear them. Every Ex time? And, um, okay. Not every time, but it, like after two days for sure. But I also make sure I have enough um, panties to wear a new pair every day. <laughs> okay. And bottoms, whatever. Love it. Teddy, who's your work wife? Malice and honey. Oh, cute. Malice. Um, work wife. I mean, I feel like te like Teddy and Honey are more of a thing. Mm -hmm. So I don't really have a work wife. Like I, I like some. This is the thing is no everyone's my daughter. Okay, I'm the I'm You're I'm the stripper daddy. I'm stripper daddy. daddy. I love it. Okay. True, true. Um, Teddy, most money you've made in a night. A night. Uh, let's just say eight hundred. Okay. Like thank you. I mean, you're a baby stripper too. Yeah, I know. I know. I know my thousand dollars is coming. If you're out there, give it to me. <laughs> Malice. Um, I will say like a $1,500 night once. Nice. Um, if you could get vengeance on your former bosses, what would it look like? Oh God. Uh, <laughs> first. <laughs> I ain't saying, cause if I ever do some dastardly shit, I don't want my shit known. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get her. I'm You're not, not having no evidence. Charge, right? No evidence. I love that. I've premeditated some shit though. That's what, well, I think there's no way to get vengeance on Bobby. He's indestructible. He's that little man can survive like a nuclear blast. Like nothing is going to take him out. Oh, you know what would be sweet? Bitter revenge is just to put a club better right next door. Oh. Yes. What I was thinking though was psychologically, I would have him marry Crystal. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> Side note, cause this explains some backstory. Crystal was a waitress slash dancer occasionally. Cause sometimes she decides she want to go on stage mm -hmm. at Cheetahs. And she was in a, just so I, no, no slander or libel. She was in a rumored relationship with Bobby and she would, she was just, she had high anxiety and she did a lot of Coke, mm -hmm. which, which helps. didn't, yeah, that totally helps. So <laughs> she would have like meltdowns every night, like full crying meltdowns in the back in the dressing room. Once Bobby closed early when we were all still getting tipped like buckets on stage, cause she was freaking out. And so he closed and didn't let us go on stage Ooh. again. So she didn't do herself. the other dancers love you. Yeah, she didn't <laughs> do herself to dancers either. And so eventually even he kind of got tired of her Ooh. freaking out and he was over her. And she she immediately became nicer when she couldn't run to Bobby anymore. So <laughs> I would have him marry her because I know that piss him off for the rest of his life. And Nick, <laughs> I don't know. Thank you. I am up by his toes. Okay. I mean... Nah. Nick should have to marry me. <laughs> that would be his. I love it. Torture. True. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Favorite song to strip to? No, you go first. Oh God. There's so many like, I, but I change it all the time. Okay. Uh, the, today, just today. Well, uh, no, I'll just tell you really my favorite song to dance to, but it always has to be to the right crowd. It's always gangsta boo. Can I get paid? Mm. <laughs> A history of bad men, Melvins. Love yes. it. Okay. All right. Well, that's been rapid fire, you guys. Yeah. Um, so it's time for a little commercial break. Led Zeppelin or Led Astray from the Holy Rock. Fred Astaire once said, you can't be in two places at once. That was the last I ever heard of him in my life. My name is Bannister Ribbons, and I have written five books on this subject. The first book came to me in a dream. Behind my house was a creek, 
sleeping under a large, smooth stone there. I was bewildered by the visions of what it means to be and what it means to actually just struggle to be. You can't really be in two places at once. The second book happened on accident. One morning, I woke up and it was simply there. The third book was a gift from God. The fourth book was just a little something I cooked up in my downtime. And finally, the fifth book, after twenty years of thought, is my great masterpiece. And now I release it to you, my shining disciples. Who are you tonight under this bright, hot, glistening sky? Call me tonight for a little bit of a tease. Four 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 four, and then come to my signing in Midwest City, Oklahoma, Barnes and Noble. You can't really be in two places at once, unless you're me. All right, guys. Thank you so much for being on the show. Where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram at Teddy B. Dot Ruxpin. R U X B I N. Yeah, R U X B I N, like the line of talking teddy bears from the eighties. Okay, <laughs> nice. I realize that's a reference a lot of people get because I kept saying the name and expecting people to get it, and I, they didn't. I don't. Oh, I it was a line it. of talking teddy bears from the eighties. Nice. Yeah. Well, I was there. I remember Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> Love it. And I'm official Malice McMunn, O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L-M-A-L-I-C-E-M-C-M-U-N-N. I'm going to change that someday. I hate my last name so much. Um, I'm also Malice666McMunn on Twitter. And somewhere there I'll have my YouTube link and my um, Malicious Creatures clothing line. I don't know. Excellent. Couldn't be more excited about that. I'm Selena the Stripper. You can find me on Instagram at Pretty Boy Girl. You can support this project on Patreon at The Real Pretty Boy Girl. You can send us a message about the show at Ho in the Know on Instagram. And you can email us at Ho in the Know at gmail.com. So those are all the places. This will all be in the bio. Um, please like, subscribe, comment. It means so much whenever you leave us some comments on Apple Podcasts because then we can have greater visibility. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in and we love you all so much. Love you. Bye. Bye. More money. I want your money. I want more money. 